I want to give you an update on my father. Many of you have asked, uh, many of you have prayed. Actually, can I just say something? We could count this the sermon or not the sermon. Um, I want to thank you for, for praying for my family. This past week has been an interesting week. My father had a miniature stroke, uh, but he's doing really, really well. Uh, so well that Heather and I went last weekend, we were there in South Carolina visiting with family. Uh, he's doing so well with little to no symptoms that uh, we changed our flights to come home two days earlier than we had planned, uh, essentially two days earlier than we had planned. Um, so thank you for your prayers. It reminded me of a conversation I had. You know, many of you know, I was a youth pastor before I became the senior pastor here as a youth pastor at a church in Kansas City. And the summer before uh, we moved here, God was doing something in our, in our hearts and, and there was a handful of people who knew that maybe there was a change on the horizon. And I remember we were in Houston, Texas, and I got on a, we went to, we brought, we brought all the youth to, to the beach in Galveston, Texas, and I rode with a student, I rode with a coach bus with all these students, but I sat next to one student in particular who was a senior who like knew, and we were just sharing about like, you know, I think very few people knew. It was like, the, it really was the worst kept secret. <laughs> Anyways, what I just said, you know, we're going to make this change, and I want to Sometimes the pastor thing can become very transactional. Like churches consume pastors and pastors just kind of produce religious experiences and church, you know, pastors use churches to, to further their mission and their goals of ministry. It's very just transactional. I said, I don't want to just fall into that. I want to live life with people. I want to, I want to share life. And this past week, so many of you have been praying for my family. So many of you have reached out. Uh, yesterday, we had a reception for my daughter who's graduating from high school. So many of you walked through my house and ate my barbecue. Um, and then we had small group. Hey, listen, I don't want to do a, another promo for small group, but get into a small group because you live life together. And this week has just been a great assurance and just a reminder just how blessed we are that the Lord brought us to Radiant to, to share life with you. Can I tell you this story? After that conversation on that bus with that student, it was like three days later that I got the phone call about Radiant. It's just amazing how the Lord works. Okay, now let's get to the message. So my dad's doing really well, right? He's doing really, really well. We come back, we change our plane tickets, and I, um, I didn't look, because it was a last-minute airplane change, I didn't look at my seating assignment. I know. If you know me, I'm a really big airplane guy, and I like to sit in the window seat, because that's where airplane guys sit. I like to look out the window, and I like to pretend like I know what I'm talking about with the, with the signs on the taxiway, and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I just like it. But I didn't look. And on the return flight, we, we went to Chicago from South Carolina, and then we were going to fly back to Indianapolis. As we're boarding, I was like, wait a minute. This is not a window seat. I'm sitting in the aisle. And it's just two and two, and my wife's sitting across the aisle, which is nice. We can hold hands. Um, But I'm sitting, I'm sitting here, and there's, no, there's nobody in the window seat. I'm just doing what many of you have maybe prayed for before, like, Lord, let there be no one who sits next to me on this airplane. And some kid, young guy, comes and sits next to me, and I was like, hey, bud, I know you would, you would love the aisle seat. You could put your legs in the aisle, and you could stretch out. He's like, no, I like the window seat. I'm just like a little kid. I like to look out the window. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am too. I respect that. And so I was like, well, that is what it is. So I'm looking over his shoulder. I'm looking across the plane uh, this way. I mean, there's big airplanes. It's fun to be in Chicago here, right? And uh, so we, we come up to the, to the runway, and the guy does this. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, you know what? Some people are afraid of, like, the takeoff part. And I've sat next to people who do this for takeoff. 
But then they kind of like open up later. This guy never, never did anything. <laughs> and I was like trying to lean over him, like trying not to breathe on him. And I thought maybe if I breathe on him and cough on him, maybe he'll move. I don't know. I just, he's wasting a window seat. <laughs> See, I heard, I love window seats. I heard, I, 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 I'm a little child and I expected that to happen, but it's not exactly. So what I heard with my ears, what I heard with my head were two very different things. Oh, can I tell you, we were coming in for a landing in Indianapolis and I could see the speedway. So I grabbed my phone and I was like, this is gonna be awesome. I can take a picture of the speedway. Guess when this guy decides to wake up and take a picture of the speedway? <laughs> and he's holding his phone against the window and I'm like, you're killing me, man. Anyway, so as we were going out, I let him go in front of me, I tripped him. No, I didn't. Um, so anyways, there was a difference. And you know this, there's a difference between what we hear and what we hear. Am I right? Like, I hear you saying this, and I assume, and I interpret that as this, but, but, I've, but really, I, I missed the interpretation. I missed, uh, understood what you said, even though I clearly heard what you said. And I think that because of that, we're going to have a part two of the last message I spoke, which was, which was two weeks ago, um, going through the book of John. Just a reminder for those of you who weren't here, or those of you who were here, but it's been two weeks uh, we are in a series called The Book of Glory. It's the last half of the book of John, starting in John chapter 13. Uh, the book of signs is the first half of the book. It takes about three and a half years of Jesus' life. And then there's the book of glory, which is Christ's death and resurrection, him hanging out in the upper room with his disciples, giving him instructions for when he'll no longer be with them. And um, the last time we were in John chapter 15, which I have been talking about like the whole time I've been your pastor. It's like one of my favorite passages of scripture. I don't want to preach that sermon again, but I want to just remind you of what we talked about. It was abiding in Christ. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And we see this intimate transformational relationship with Christ, with the indwelling presence of Christ. You remember what happens right before he talks about being the vine, the branches? He says he's going to leave them. They want to go with them. And he says, someone says, just show me the father. He says, you've seen me, you've seen the father. The Father and I are one. He says that a lot through the book of John. And then he promises them the Holy Spirit. Listen to this in John 14, 23. All who love me and do what I say, my Father will love them and he will come and make our home and we will come and make our home in each of them. There is a, uh, a connection, this intimate relationship that comes with abiding the vine and the branches. And I, we broke it down how it's a living relationship, how the, the vine can do nothing without the branch and the branch can do nothing without the vine, how they give to one another. The vine doesn't pull the nutrients out of the soil for its own sake. It does so to give to the branch. But the vine can't produce fruit without the branch. I mean, Jesus, we use that word, condescended. He put himself in that position where there's this relationship. And it, was a, it spoke of a really close relationship, like living life with that awareness, living life with an awareness that, the spirit of God lives within us and we are abiding in him. Like, it's a high bar for some. Some of you heard me close last, the last message with, you know, that is a high bar. Is it even possible? It sounds like a, hard, a lot of hard work. And if it is possible, then it seems probably like unsustainable, or it seems at least reserved for those who are superstars in the faith. Like the rest of us, we're going we're gonna to try hard. We probably won't accomplish it, but we'll try hard to live close to Jesus. We're going to work at it. But 
the picture that, that, that we're talking about here, Jerome, that just seems like, you know, that's, that's range for like the Pope or something. I don't know, the Pope or the pastor or somebody. It seems like a lot of hard work and you would think, well, I'm not strong enough. Maybe I should get stronger. Then I can get closer to Jesus. Um, and then some of us, we know what that intimacy is like when we first came to Jesus, but now it seems like it's lost. And we thought, well, maybe that was just like the, the intro course to Jesus, a real good sense of his presence. And now it's up to us to work to stay close. So what we're going to do today is we're going to stay in this vine and van- branches uh, passage, but we're not going to stay in John chapter 15, which is really weird if you're preaching through a book like we are, John chapter 15. Will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11? Matthew chapter 11, because what we're going to do is we're going to look at a different uh, visual that Jesus uses to talk about this relationship, this close abiding relationship. We've talked about the vines and the branches, but here he uses something else. Let me give you some background as you turn. Matthew, like John, is an account of Jesus' life and ministry. We call these gospels. If you don't know much about the Bible, then you know that the gospel um, is an account of Jesus' life. Each gospel writer has a unique audience and a unique kind of thrust and emphasis. Matthew is really writing to a Jewish audience, trying to convince them that, hey, this is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah that you've been waiting for. So he uses a lot of Old Testament scripture. Um, And so that's kind of where we're at. But but nonetheless, Jesus, he records something here that, that the other gospels don't record. So here we go. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Then Jesus said, come to me. All you who, oh, excuse me, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. It's a weird passage of scripture because it's only like three verses, and I know we do like 16 at a time. But that's the text for today. There's an imagery there of abiding that's very similar to what we see. Just a little background, though. My pocket. I love you. Thank you. My, my wife is dressing me. Uh, <laughs> As you guys know, if you, especially since Matthew's writing to this Jewish audience, but Jesus identifies this burden that many of the, the Jews of that day were living with religious leaders and, and their, their, their interpretation of the law of Moses. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 23, where he says that the, the Pharisees, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a figure to ease the burden. So Jesus, by contrast, is coming in talking about, come to me, take my yoke, and it'll be easy. There was not peace for those who were living at that time in that religious system. It was set up for the superstars to be the superstars. Those are the ones who are close to God. But the rest that Jesus is offering is a huge contrast to the Pharisees and the burden that they put on for like, even even the very next chapter, chapter 12, they talk about Sabbath and all the rules for Sabbath keeping. Such a big contrast that Jesus speaks here right before we see those rules. Let's take a look at these, at these verses. Verse 28, first of all, Jesus gives rest. We know that. We talked about that when we first came to him. He is the source of rest. The rest is not uh, just from him. The rest is what? It's in him. Come to me, 
It's not from his teaching. It's not from his miracles, but the rest comes from Jesus, who is the source. This is the language of relationships. But implied in this language of relationship of, of coming to me is, hey, I don't want you to just come to me for a moment. I want you to come and I want you to, what? Remain with me, stay with me, or abide with me. That's understood. There is a, there is a deep down peaceful rest when we abide with him. And we know that when we first come, but sometimes we fail to abide and it seems like it fades away. We know that rest that comes when we first come to Jesus. There's the, the freedom that we experience of, uh, free from shame and guilt, from the power of sin, from religious performance. Do you guys rem remember when you first came to Jesus, when you first surrendered to his drawing you? Many of those days we felt very close. We lived life with a greater sense of his presence. It was something that we enjoyed. And it's something that changed the way we lived our life. Am I right? Can I get a testimony? Can somebody? Absolutely. But when he says, come to me, it's not just come to me for a few moments of like, you get a few hours and a few days to really revel in this newfound salvation and feel close to me. It's come to me and abide with me and live with me. The call is implied here. It's explicit in John 15. He's not calling people for a moment. He's calling people to relationship. I've, uh, I've mentioned Andrew Murray's book, Abide in Christ. This has been instrumental in my life in how I see this text and, and really how I preach this text. Uh, I, I gave you a couple of quotes out of it last time I spoke. I'll give you a few, just two more today regarding this idea of come to me as being come and abide in me. Listen to this. Andrew Murray says this. Now, Andrew Murray lived a long time ago, 1800s. His English is not our English. And this is supposed to be updated English, but it's still not super updated. Listen to what Murray says. You did well to come, you do better to abide. Who would, after seeking the king's palace, be content to stand in the door when he's invited to dwell in the king's presence and share with him in all the glory of his royal life? Who would be satisfied when you're invited to come and dwell with the king to just stand at the door of the palace? Abide with me, is what Jesus says. Verse 29, here's the fun part. Verse 28, I will give you rest, right? Did you read that? I will give you rest. Come to me, I will give you rest. Verse 29, you will find rest. Look at that. Take my yoke, learn from my teaching, and you will find rest. This is the language of abiding. It's not the imagery of a vine and branches. It's the imagery of like two oxen and a yoke. I, I know this is not an agri, you know, we're not really that kind of culture in that world. That whole world in Jesus' day was very agricultural. Um, I can't even keep a plant alive, but, but, but the original audience understood how this stuff worked. A yoke is the thing that tied the two, whether an oxen or donkey or whatever your work animals are that are pulling a, 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 a plow or pulling a wagon they, they are yoked together. He's saying, take my yoke. Let me teach you. Now, let's, let's step back. I just said, come to me and I will give you peace. Take my yoke and you will find peace. There's peace promised twice, but in very different ways. One is come to me. I'm the source of peace. But then when you take on his yoke, when you learn from him, you begin to possess and own the thing that he gives you because God can give you something, 
but it's not really your own until you really assimilate it and make it your own. You know what I'm saying? Like he could give you peace, but there is a sense of peace that comes when you take that and it has been ingrained in you. And that comes when we yoke ourselves with him. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute, Jerome, the idea and the imagery of, of oxen pulling a, a plow or a sled under a yoke, that's, that's work. And I thought you said this whole message is about how it's not hard work. But listen to what Jesus says. It says, what? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. You see, it's not the, the yoke that makes things difficult and hard. It's resisting the yoke. Why is it easy and light? Here it is. Why is the yoke that, that Jesus gives us easy and light? Because abiding, taking his yoke, learning from him, the one who's the, I know I'm, I'm bouncing between these two different imageries, but listen, it's not meant for the strong, it's meant for the weak. Think about the vine and the branches again. The vine is the one who does the work. The vine is the one who pulls the nutrients from the ground, for, not for itself, but for the branches the life and the fruitfulness of the branch all flow from the vine. And Jesus is saying, take on my yoke because I'm doing the work. And if you think that taking on the yoke of Jesus means you, you lose freedom and you're, and you're carrying a heavy burden, try taking it off and see what burden's left. See, if you feel like abiding is hard work, if you feel it's, impossible, improbable, certainly unsustainable to live life with such an awareness and such an intimacy and a closeness with Jesus. Let me remind you, and this is the one thing I want you to walk away with, that the strength of the vine is what holds the branch to itself. I think we live our Christian life thinking, I got I'm the branch and I have to work hard to stay attached to the vine, right? We put the burden on us to work and stay attached to Jesus. I got to get up and do my devotions. I got to get up and, and I got to serve. I got to do these things so I can stay connected to Jesus. But he's saying, I am the vine. The vine holds the branch, not the other way around. Amen. I'm going home. No, listen, that's it. If there's nothing else, that he's the one who holds us. I lost my spot by doing that. <laughs> you didn't come to Jesus because you were strong. You came to Jesus. You answered the call, come to me, the John 11 call, because you recognized your weakness. Because you recognized your need for a rescue. It was his power that drew you. Think of all the things in your life the Lord is calling you right now. Think of all the things in your life that would have stood in the way, but God's power broke through. He drew you to him and you answered that call. You surrendered to the call when he drew you. Well, that same power that drew you is the same power that keeps you. The same power that drew you to come to me is the same power that keeps you with abide in me. It's strange how we think that salvation is God's work, but living a successful Christian life, well, that's up to me. Now, God's done his work. Now it's time to do my work. No, he does the work if we yield to his life 
through us. One more Andrew Murray quote for you. I promise this is it. He offers himself the keeper of Israel that slumbers not nor sleeps with all his power and love as the living home of the soul where the mighty influences of his grace will be stronger to keep than all their feebleness to lead astray. If you want the English translation of that, he's saying the God who kept Israel, the God who has the power to keep them can keep you. The power that he has to keep you is greater than your ability and your power to wander away. Now he won't force the yoke on you. There's still an invitation for you to take on the yoke, but that taking on the yoke is means I'm gonna yield. I'm gonna yield to the yoke. It's the strength of the vine that holds the branch to itself. So what does that mean? How do we take what we heard the last time, this relationship that seemed like a really high bar and to see that maybe it's, maybe it's possible. Maybe that explains why when I first came to Christ, I sensed him, his presence, and I walked with a closeness and a relationship that I, that I wish I had again. What does it mean? And what do we do about it? First of all, I, want you, I, wanna, I hope this whole, this whole message has been to reframe how you view abiding. If you view it as something that you do, and I think I confessed that last time. I remember... Um, Maybe I didn't confess that. I went to, uh, I have this place in Seattle that I go to. I've talked about it once in a while. It's a pastoral resource center. Uh, just go and kind of talk through some stuff, get some counsel and things like that. And they're like, Jerome, how are you abiding in Christ? And my go-to answer was, well, here, here's what my devotional life looks like. And they're like, wow, you just associate getting up and reading your Bible as abiding in Christ. You think that abiding is something you do. And not something that you yield to, his life in you. I had to reframe it, and I still, have, I still have to reframe it. Reframe it from something that you do to something that he does. The one who drew you can keep you. You just need to yield to his life. This is why Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but what? Christ who lives in me. The strength of the vine is what holds the branch, not the other way around. So when you get up and you do your devotions in the morning, don't think that that's what is drawing you close to God. Rather think, I'm doing this because this is the fruit of, of, of Christ living in me, walking in relationship with him. As you serve at Vacation Bible School, hint, hint. Don't view it as, and I, sometimes we sign up for stuff like this. I'm getting brownie points with God. We would never say it that way. But somewhere we think I'm getting brownie points with God. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, as a pastor, it's more effective for me to, think, for let, to let you think that in terms of raising volunteer support. But it's not. Reframe that. This is Christ's love flowing through me to share in his mission to see lives changed. When you give, as you leave with your tithe and offering, this is not the way to stay in God's good graces, but it's an overflow of his life in you. It's an overflow of his generosity in you. Second thing I would say is don't fear it. Just take baby steps. I have to admit when I started, and I still am on a journey when it comes to abiding, like even grasping it all. When I started on this journey a few years ago, I... Uh, I was a little bit nervous, like, 
man, if I live with the sense of God's presence and an awareness of his life in me at all times, am I just going to be one of those like really weird people? You know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want to be John the Baptist. But here's the truth. If you're a Christian, you are already weird. Look up 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolishness to this world. We believe in foolishness. Don't, don't fear it. God's not gonna like throw the yoke on you and make you some sort of Jesus zombie. This is not stranger things, part, you know, whatever. It's not, it's not like that. Don't fear. You're still gonna be you, but take baby steps because really what it happens when you take baby steps is not an overnight like, now I'm gonna be like Jesus. It's still gonna be you, but you're just more like Jesus. See, there's power in repetition. I said this the last time. Throughout the day, stop yourself with just little short prayers and reminders. Lord, I abide in you. We live so much of our life without the recognition of his presence. He is present, but we live often so many moments without that recognition. Lord, I abide in you. That abiding is not what I do, but it's letting your life flow through me. I am the branch. You are the vine. You are the one who feeds the branch. You are the one who lives through the branch. And the fruit of the vine comes through the branch. May, we, may I bear fruit. That's a long prayer. Just say a short prayer throughout the day. Catch those moments and repeat those moments. And more and more, those things that seem awkward and unnatural become far more natural. And it changes how you live your life. If you're not a Christian today, I want to say thank you for being here. I, I think it's great you're here. I know this message was a lot towards the Christians in their room. It's kind of why we do what we do. But I, want, I, I hope that you heard the good news in this. You know, the word gospel really means good news. So the good news of Jesus. And the good news of Jesus is this. It's, have you heard people say, you should believe in Jesus. It's not religion. It's, it's relationship. It really is. It really is. And he provides for that relationship. He, he accounts for our weakness. Jesus does the work. He, he did the work on the cross. Living a life that we could not live and dying a death in our place, on our behalf. And he continues to do the work by living in us and through us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Every day I drive home, I uh, go down 161st Street and I make a right on Union, and I make a left on Dave Brown. We live in Countryside. Um, I don't like going over 161st because I like to go on the right lane around the roundabouts, and the people in the left lane feel like that's their lane too. So I'm like, I'm just gonna skip the roundabout on the, on the overpass because it doesn't bring out Christ in me. <laughs> I mean, I'm going straight, guys. I, I don't have to exit either way anyway. But on Dave Brown Road, there is a guy who has a house and um, he has like a miniature vineyard going on. And I'm not a miniature vineyard kind of person. I don't know, like I can't keep a plant alive, but I drive by that. And I've been driving by it this week and last week, thinking about this text, thinking about this idea of abiding. And I haven't dared, got, I, I wanna pull my truck over and like walk it. I thought about like taking a video, like here I am guys with the vine, but I thought I'm gonna get shot. So I haven't done that. <laughs> but I, 
but I drive by and I look at this vine, this, this vine and it is aggressive. It is stretching across this guy's yard and around the corner. And I thought, is that a picture of the kingdom of God? He is the vine, we are the branches. Is that a picture of the church universal? That Christ is present in this world, drawing people to him, bearing fruit through, through us. He is the vine and we are the branches. Isn't that a picture of radiant? May that be a picture of radiant. Each of us connected to the vine, abiding in Christ, bearing fruit because he is the one who's doing the work through us and in us. May that be a picture of us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word to us. We, we saw two weeks ago this call to abide in you. The call then, as I ended that message, was may we meditate on it. And here we are two weeks later thinking, is, is, is that so high of a, a bar that I'll never attain to it or reach to it? But we just seen that you are the one who does the work, that the vine and the strength of the vine is the one that holds us. Father, I pray that you would help us to be the branches connected to the vine in this community. Help us to do that, that you could do the work that you choose to do, bearing fruit through us in Westfield, Hamilton County, in Indianapolis, and through this world. In Jesus' name, amen.